Hi, I'm Wayne Brittenden for The Political Compass, and I thought for this comment we could all take a break from weightier, worldlier issues and retire condeed-like to our own gardens. Whatever yours looks like, it probably says much more about your political views than you realize. Some years ago, I covered one of Thailand's tedious coups. I had a schedule of interviews, both with quasi-fascists, most of them military figures, as well as members of the pro-democracy movement. Many of them were educators, writers, and artists. While my driver zigzagged across Bangkok, stopping at interviewees' houses as they popped up, I didn't need to be told the political orientation of the occupants. It was all too clear from their gardens. The liberals celebrated horticultural diversity, vines and ivies, largely free-flowing, with many different contrasting shapes, textures and colours. The generals, on the other hand, invariably had short back and sides lawns with well-turned-out uniform trees, standing perfectly to attention at regular intervals. I don't mean that you can tell the Tories from the Labourites in your own street, but gardens do say something about another political dimension, the social one that, of course, the political compass also shows, and one that separates liberals from those with an authoritarian streak, and that transcends left and right, putting the Stalinist extreme left and the Hitlerite extreme right in the same deeply authoritarian camp. They might disagree on matters like economics and foreign policy, but those two old tyrants had much in common in their social, cultural, and, I bet you, horticultural controls. Just check out the churches near you. The more dogmatic and fundamentalist the theology, the more stark and joyless the plantings are likely to be. Perhaps the ultimate in horticultural handcuffing is French Rococo, a powerful political statement of undemocratic control, if ever there was one. Even today, Parisians munch their baguettes, poor souls, on park benches facing lawns that they're prohibited from setting foot on. Observation, but absolutely no participation. In Manet's controversial painting, Lunch on the Grass, the nudity of one of the figures was probably far less shocking to the French than the fact that she was brazen enough to be sitting on the grass. The very term fascism has its roots in horticulture. Fascio, the Latin word for a bundle of white birch rods of equal length, often with a bronze axe that came to symbolize state power and authority, all tied together tightly for endurance and the exclusion of outsiders. So if you believe in bringing back the birch, we all know where you're really coming from. Not for nothing did George Washington declare that Mount Vernon was to be an American garden where no English trees would be permitted to claw their way into the soil. In some countries, the dwindling number of native species of plants, of course, requires a robust effort to favour them. But are those who obsessively demand, like Washington, exclusive native-only gardens entirely different from those who want to keep all the foreigners out? It's a horticultural fact that the careful inclusion of exotic species sometimes benefits the natives in the very same way that systematic and diverse immigration enriches the host culture. The authoritarian personality tends to be hostile towards minorities, holding a strong desire for security, order, power, status. 
Nationally, it requires a lot of mechanisms and manoeuvres for those values to prevail, probably a Thailand-type coup. But within your own garden, you can be an instant tyrant. All it takes is the pruning shears, clippers, and a decent chainsaw.